Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. We are recording this, Kieran, on Wednesday, and as I'm sure you're all aware, it's a very important anniversary. It's it's 20 years today since a, a certain club beat a certain other club 5-0 and a certain Andy Johnson picked up his certain magic hat. Uh, and I believe we were both at that game, Kieran. We, we were indeed, yes, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, one of the grimmest days I've yeah. had. I've well, had plenty. If it's any consolation, Kieran, I've I've checked, and it's also twenty years ago today since Brighton's first organic honey shop opened. So, <laughs> um, later in the show, we will be hearing from Ian McKinnon from the Partick Thistle fan group, the Jags Foundation. It's about a story, Kieran, that a lot of our listeners won't be aware of, but it's an astonishing one, and I'm really pleased that we got Ian on to discuss it. In the meantime, we do have some some news, and it's with a really very heavy heart that we have to tell you that Wigan, again, we, we thought this was all sorted, but problems at Wigan, Kieran. Yes. So um, for people not familiar, Wigan... Uh, they they had owners from the Far East. There was an ownership transfer. A couple of weeks later, the club was put into administration. We, we had people from the Wigan supporters group on the show, and, and yeah. they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, their positive yeah. attitude. Um, and every I think everybody, yeah, it doesn't matter who you support, eh? even if you support Wigan's rivals, it doesn't matter. You, you need rivals to have a rivalry so yeah ne- never wish the worst on any club wish wish bad things on them yeah but yeah you, you, you want to find you, you want to see stories in the sundays about the chairman found in bed with custard and a goat and something like that but that's great you know that that's for that's for tittle tattle that's for point scoring but you still want to be able to go and play them because that's how you get your bragging rights mm. um but yeah i'm, I'm just concerned because yeah, we, we talk about red flags as far as football and governance and, and the way the games it run and so on. Um, Wigan were late paying the May wages, which which they blamed on the Queen, God rest her soul, <laughs> uh, for having a Jubilee weekend. And I'm yeah. going, well, I think banks are actually. I'm, I'm I'm pretty certain when I use my app on my my. Uh, phone these days I, I can send money across 365 days a year so yeah. so that that sounded pretty lame and then uh, the June wages were late which they blamed on technical issues now mm. we've heard this technical issues before from other clubs um, and if you think about other clubs in the championship who have failed to pay wages on time we've had Reading Reading ended up with a points deduction for various misdemeanors, Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday ended up with a points deduction and got relegated. Derby County. Well, you know, we, we try not to mention Derby County on this show because Derby fans are delighted that we, they, they're never in the headlines anymore but yeah. for the wrong reasons. But Derby, yeah, points deduction, relegated. So this just doesn't look good in, in that it's, by all accounts, it's happened again. Now, this is a report, I think, from Mike Keegan in the mail. Um the club has not said anything. And to make things a little bit more bizarre, the club did announce that the manager just signed a three-year extension to his contract. 
mm. on the same day that this went through. I also, I'd heard other stories that the club was up for sale. I think the club's pushing back on that, but it, it's just messy. And um, yeah, I, I know that there's this phrase, may you live in interesting times. Actually, living in boring times for a football fan, when you've just been through what Wigan fans have, have been through with respect to their club, you, you want the boring times to, to return for a long period. Um, yeah, and they, they, they've done very well. Yeah, they, they are uh, yeah, on, the, on the pitch. They've, they, they've punched above their weight, I, I would say. Um, and now this makes you feel a little bit uneasy. If this story is true, Kieran, and we believe it is, that means it's the third time in five months that we're going to be late paying their players' wages. The EFL will step in when? How many more times does this have to happen before the EFL say we want to know what's going on? Well, I think to be fair, um, you know, the, the EFL under Trevor Birch and Nick Craig are far more on the ball. I, I think they're probably, you know, they are aware, but they are not responsible for paying the wages. Mm. We don't know whether the PFA will have had to, to, to pay the wages. We don't know how late they've been. You know, if it's 24 or 48 hours late, that, that still messes you up when you've got direct debits and standing orders coming out. And remember, we're not, People say, well, you know, footballers are paid lots of money, but Wigan Athletic is, is more than just p- employing football players. So, you know, it, it's got people who are the back office people, all the support staff, everybody that provides the framework, which allows the players to to, to play. Um, and and it's you, you're concerned about, you know, if they end up having to go and pay additional bank charges because, mm. uh, you know, the payment's gone out late, then then they're, they're entitled to be pretty unhappy. Um, and... As always, yeah, we're great believers in in openness and transparency, and and the club needs to come up with something a, a bit more credible than, than the comments they've come out with historically. Mm. Um, there's been a bit of shenanigans, is a, probably the wrong word, but the the New Year fixtures in the Premier League have caused a bit of concern. Yeah, well, the the, the Premier League ha- has a deal with Sky and BT and Amazon. Um, and they've always said historically, you know, we know that it causes disruption, so therefore we will give fans plenty of notice uh, with regards to fixture changes. So it was it was due on the 11th of October, uh, the announcements for Christmas and New Year. Mm. Um, and that's important to us as fans because yeah, we like, yeah, you and I, we both like Christmas. Um, and also, you know, there's there's fans of clubs from overseas that want to come across and book flights. Um, you know, from you know, I, I normally tra- travel to matches by train. You, 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 train fares are extortionate, so therefore you try to get the cheap fares by booking in advance. Well, the 11th of October came, and it went and it went far away. It it took until the 24th. Um, before the the Premier League deigned to uh, announce the changes, um, and yeah, again, I fully understand that they've got a contract with the broadcasters, and effectively, the broadcasters are calling the tune these days. But do, do we really need matches at five thirty p.m. on New Year's Eve? No. Yeah. So you know, Brighton versus Arsenal—that's what we've got. Now, last year we had, I think it was, you know, it was five thirty or seven pm on Boxing Day, 
and yeah, the the pretendants, and that's what it was, was announced as thirty thousand. I was there. Um, the ground was half full. You know, yeah, clubs announced tickets sold rather than people who physically attend. Um, more and more, you can't take the view that we well, you can take the view that our role of fans is to to tug our forelocks, to acquiesce to all of the decisions which are being made, um, and to provide the noise and the atmosphere which, which is great at matches and does help the people at the Premier League to sell the product. But the interests of fans are being compromised increasingly. Um, I, I've said before, I, I think we can, we can, there has to be some form of compromise from the perspective of what we're being expected to do. Because now, according to the Premier League, a match can take place any, at any point on you know, a normal weekend between Friday and Monday. And therefore, you've got to keep four nights free. Mm. And you know, life's not like that. So, you know, I, you know, I as you know, I, I love my music. I, I, I book gigs. I, I never tried to book a gig for a Saturday if I can at all avoid it. If 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 we've got a match on, and then the match gets changed, and you miss, you know, something else either has to go, or you end up missing the match, or you end up with a domestic at home because you've prioritised the football match. Um, and, and football clubs seem to think, well, that's just a minor inconvenience. We we know that you're devoted to the club, and and therefore just suck it up and see. Um, you know, the, the suggestion that I think. We've put forward if if kickoff times are changed, and, and this is this is trying to be fair to both sides. Um, if the Premier League gives plenty of notice, i.e., doesn't delay the announcement, then fans should have fourteen days where they can yeah. say to the club, "I've got a season ticket. I can't make the match because you've changed the kickoff time. Therefore, please, I'm entitled to a refund, you know, for one nineteenth of my season ticket." If the Premier League is as popular a product as the the clubs and the Premier League itself claim, the clubs can then sell those tickets at full price. You know, yeah. Because we you know, we all know that we get a discount for season ticket prices. So the clubs can benefit financially. We don't have our tickets effectively wasted because you can't transfer tickets to your mates the way that you used to. You know, things are getting more and more draconian. Um and I, I think that would work for all parties. Unless, of course, it's too much of a pain in the backside for the clubs, or actually there isn't the the demand for tickets which they they try to make out. Mm. I don't know how uh, the fixture computer works, Kieran. Obviously, I do know it's had a brainstorm this year. Somebody must have put the wrong circuit in because we've got a home game on Boxing Day. But just for the Christmas holidays, switch the computer off, get a couple of clever people. And just make sure the fiction, make sure no one's travelling. Make sure everyone's travelling the shortest distance possible. Have I know the police probably won't like it, but have all the London clubs play each other. Have all the teams in the in the northwest as near as possible play each other. Don't have Newcastle find the nearest club to Newcastle play. It's not beyond the wit of man or woman to sort that out because, as you say, it's we're all desperate to go to games over the Christmas holidays, but also our fam- families are desperate for us to be with them as well. Well, not. That's not necessarily true in my case, but it's it's just it's just nonsense. They just take us for granted, Kieran. They really do take us for granted. But mm. um, there's a story coming out from Berry, Kieran, that on the face of it should be good news. Yes. yes. Um, the, uh, the the two parties at Berry. So we've got Berry AFC, who are the uh, the new club which is being created, which now plays in the Northwest Counties League. 
Mm. Um, and Berry FC Supporters Society, um, who I think are the the beneficiaries of the sale of Gig Lane. Mm. Um, they have a vote um, with regards to a merger of the two entities. Now, in order for that vote to, in order for that merger to take place, both parties have to have a two-thirds majority. Um, Berry AFC, my understanding, they, they've got 1,329 people who can, who can vote. That's done really well to get that level of support in yeah. such a short period of time. Um, my understanding They've recommended a yes, and ninety-five percent of people are going to. It looks as if, you know, from, from the vibes I'm picking up, ninety-five percent of Berry AFC supporters are going to vote for it. When it comes to Berry FC Supporters Society, um, I think it's fair to say that they've they've been ambivalent, stroke obtuse. Mm. Um, they've not made a recommendation to the members which is a democracy. Um, yeah, they, they said members should make up their own rights. There are various things going around on social media, effectively saying that if there's a no vote, well, they can still move to Gig Lane. They can still set up their own football club. They will still get the 3G pitch. Um, they've got benefactors who are prepared to put in six-figure sums. Um, but um, the I've, I've seen what the... Football Supporters Association um, have put out, and and the uh, Football Supporters Association uh, awards are coming up soon. And you, there's, there's, a, there's the price of football vote uh, nominated for uh, nominated for best podcast if people want to vote. Um, very well, Crowbard. Thank you very much. Um, and and they've said, well, they don't. They think potentially a lot of funding will be lost because we've got DCMS, we've got government agencies who will not approve uh, funding unless the merger takes place. So there's not a lot of time left. I think on balance that there will be overall a yes vote from Berry FC Supporters Society. I'm not convinced. In fact, I think it's unlikely that it will be a two-thirds majority. And therefore, it's not going to go ahead. And and the problem is, you know, I've been to Gig Lane as an away fan, fantastic days out, great memories. Um, and I've also seen uh, the the meetings which took place at Berry Town Hall. I, I attended yeah. them myself as as just a, yeah, just just as just as a football fan who might know a few things about the finances. Mm. Um, and I noticed at the time that the relationships between fans was becoming very toxic. It was becoming very partisan, and that legacy, unfortunately, has has not. Uh, improved since uh, since since the demise of the club, uh, the formal demise of the club. Um, it, it is important that that Berry has a football club. I think it it will be great if that football club could take place at at Gig Lane. Um, I, I spoke to um, Russell and Ron Mayle of the band Sparks what? with regards to this. What? Um, and they said this town ain't big enough for <laughs> both parties. <laughs> So that's why they need a merger. And if the guys from Sparks think merger is worth taking place, I, I would say vote yes. I mean, I think the vast majority of people who who are going to vote have already voted. Mm. But I'm not convinced that some of the stuff and and it's, you know it's it's the danger in the nature of social media that mistruths and lack of fact checking is 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 prevalent. Um, and some people might be making decisions on emotional 
reasons rather than what's in the best interest mm. of the club. You know, sometimes the brain is a remarkable thing. Sometimes you have these split seconds where you do what seems to be about three hours worth of thinking. So in that split second, in my head, I was Googling Russell and Ron and Sparks in my head. I, think, oh, I can't remember Russell and Ron mentioning Berry at all, ever, being <laughs> Berry fans. Um, do we know how many members the Berry FC Supporters Society have? Is it, yeah, sure. they've, got, they've got 1,020. Oh, so they're roughly, um, equal, roughly equal numbers in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think what we'll end up is that overall, 80% or around about 80% of people will vote in favour. But because of the nature of the vote, yeah. you've got to have a two-thirds majority from both parties. Um, and I'm just, I'm not confident that that will be the case. Well, that seems to me to be a shame. As ever, uh, if either people are, are listening, we would only be too happy to represent uh, your views um, at the same time, if possible, maybe. Why not? Um mm. Uh, Watford, Kieran, uh, have obviously had a meeting uh, and discussed ways of raising money outside the box and thought, nah, we ain't doing that. <laughs> and they've gone, they've gone straight for the, the method that a lot of ordinary people, ordinary people, uh, a lot of us would do. Well, I think this is, this is quite surreal. Um, Watford are owned by Gino Pozzo hmm. and there's a club called Udinese, who are known, owned by uh, GM Paolo Pozzo, mm. who sometimes call each other dad and son. Um, and um, Watford sold three players, Adam Messina, uh, Roberto Pereira and Gerard Lazaro, to uh, Udinese for around about 30 million euro. And there, there, there's a lot... and. The way, that, the way that transfers work, and we've discussed this in the past, you normally pay a deposit and then you pay the rest in instalments. So Watford were owed around about €24 million Euro, um, by Udinese for these players. So it had, so the club literally had IOUs sitting in the desk um, on the anniversary of the, the, the transfers. You, you cash in those IOUs. So if... If, if our kid owed me some money and um, I wanted that money, I'd just say to him, you know, pay me. Um, what I wouldn't do is take his IOUs to a bank and say, I've got these IOUs from my old man. Um, how much money will you give them? Mm. Will you give me for them? But that's what Watford had done. So they've gone to Macquarie and yeah, Macquarie specialise in, in this, you know, Invoice discounting is, is it's formally known. Mm. Um, glorified payday loans is what I tend to refer to it. Um, and they've, they, they've cashed in the IOUs from a club which is owned by the same family. It, it, just, it just makes you very twitchy. You know, why are Watford in, in such necessity for the money? Because they, they've got parachute payments. Earlier uh, in the transfer window, window they sold Hassan Kamara, to um, Udinese for £16 million and then loaned him back for the season. And again, mm. yeah, it, there's, there's just a sense of unease. You know, if life, finances are normally quite simple. And when people overcomplicate them, especially with related parties, you do feel that they, there's more going on than meets the eye. Yeah, I, I did a bit of cursory research on this, Kieran, which uh, is about the highest level I reach, cursory, because... Um, I like. I've got Finley to do my barking for me, and I've got you to do the research for me, Kieran. So I don't get involved. 
but it's astonishing that the two-way traffic between Watford and Udinese in terms of players, I think something like 35% of all Watford's transfers have been to or from Udinese. It's a, I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's a very symbiotic relationship between the two clubs, which is good, but also if one of them is in trouble, then the other's in trouble. Yes, I mean, yeah, there is a, a symbiotic relationship, as you say, and um, it, it has worked. You know, Watford have been in the Premier League on, on regular occasions. Um, but this relationship now in terms of uh, the selling the debt owed to you from a family, effectively a family company, uh, is very weird. Uh, we started with Ireland, Kieran, a country we talk about quite often. We finished with a country we rarely mention, that's Canada. Mm. Uh, and Canada Soccer, which is the game's governing body there, has been told to stop selling replica shirts with the name of player Alfonso Davis on the back. Yes, um, I think it's fair to say that relationships between Canada Soccer and the players have not been good um, in recent months. So the players boycotted... Uh, a friendly match a few months ago uh, because of ongoing disputes with regards to pay and uh, the way they're being treated. Alfonso Davis is a fantastic player. Um, I saw him play for Vancouver Whitecaps when I was in Canada a few years ago, and he was clearly a, a standout prospect. Mm. Um, and at the time, he they just agreed to sell him to uh, Bayern Munich. So he, he is very much the poster boy of Canadian soccer. Um, football, sorry. Fell into the trap there. Um, And what he said is, you know, my name is part of my intellectual property. Um, I'm therefore going to withdraw my permission for my name to be used. And, you know, just like Manchester United have got, you know, what had Ronaldo last season, shall we say. Um, You know, when when you, you think about, you know, Shearer, Gascoigne, you know, the names that we always wanted to have on the back of our shirts. If, if, if I, I prefer a plain shirt myself, but, you know, it, it's, it was always one of the stars. Um, the, the, the Canadian Canada soccer um, does not give players a penny when their names are being used. So um, Alfonso Davis's agent has, has said, well, if, if you're not prepared to do that, then my, my client is not prepared to, is not willing to have his name used. So, so there was a bit of a, a bit of a standoff. Um, I, I think we're a bit closer to resolving the dispute, but the underlying lack of trust uh, from the players towards the authorities um, is indicative of, uh, I think, governance issues um, as far as the uh, as far as the authorities are concerned. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it, it it goes as far as Canadian soccer needing an end of independent regulator. <laughs> Just in oh. case anybody was worried. Oh, you, you, the, the crowbar is doing sterling work today, Kieran. It, I thank you. It, I thank you. Yeah. It, it, in a refreshing twist, part of the dispute about pay for the Canadian players was that they weren't getting as much money as the Canadian women's team, which was uh, interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I get very twitchy at seeing people's names in the back of the shirt. Even more twitchy if I if there's at least four. Palace fans with Grandad sixty nine on the back. <laughs> I know, I know, for, I know for a fact they're not sixty nine. So this, it's not, it's not big, it's not clever. It really isn't. <laughs> um, now it's interview time. Our listeners may know Partick Thistle from their cool kit, 
or their terrifying mascot, Kingsley, the whatever he's meant to be. But it's also the scene of a quite remarkable dispute between the fans and the club owners, who should be the fans. Uh, we spoke to Ian McKinnon, who's part of the fan group Jags Foundation, to find out more. I'm Steve Lamarck and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we discuss the the complicated situation at the club further, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been a Partick Thistle fan. Yeah, so um, I've... I mean, lifelong fan, uh, grew up in the West End of Glasgow. Um, so, you know, just support my local team. Um, I'm 37 years old. Um, I've, I mean, I've basically just been a fan um, for, for all that time. Uh, try and go to as many games as I can, home and away. Um, and But then over this, this whole fan ownership saga, um, I just gradually found myself getting more, um, more involved. Um, and... Like-minded people who I'd known for for quite a while were also getting involved, and and then the opportunity came up uh, to kind of properly stand for election and get involved. And I think you know when um, when you've been standing on the sidelines and, and and being critical, um, and then you get the chance to get involved, uh, a lot of things opened up in my personal life, which meant I had the time to do it. Um, I just felt right. Well, it's kind of now or never, you know. I mean, if you're going to stand and, and criticize other people, you've kind of got to be prepared to go in there yourself and and try and do a better job. So, um, yeah. So that so that was uh, June this year um, that I got elected to the Jags Foundation, uh, and since then I, I kind of saw my role as um, helping helping get the membership up, uh, doing some events. Um, you know, doing I've done, I've done a, a a promo video um f- for YouTube, uh, I did that. So yeah, that's kind of where I, I I saw myself as being able to assist and help with co- help with the comms as well because it's so important when you're speaking to football fans, getting the comms right. And uh, I think it's easier to do that when you're one of them. Yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the great yeah. things about fan ownership is that um when you know who you're speaking to, you know what you know what's going to fly and what's not going to fly. You know, so yeah. Well, it, it it may not surprise you to know, Ian, that the English press haven't been covering the story. So mm. it, in as simple a way as possible, can you fill us in with what's happening? And I, and I suppose we have to start with the the sad death of, of the previous owner, Colin Weir, which uh, who was a lottery millionaire who, who then bought the club that he loved. Yeah, so Colin Weir um, was, until recently, he was the biggest Euro Mounds winner ever. I think he won something like £160 million. Um and from the moment from the moment he won his fortune, um, there was always rumours that he was a Thistle fan, um, but nobody quite believed it. And a few years went by, and nothing happened. Eventually, he started to kind of gradually get involved with the club. Um, he initially set up a, a youth academy in the club's name. It was called the Thistle Weir 
Youth Academy. So he initially set that up. Then uh, a bit further down the line, he cleared the club's debt and bought a 20%, I think it was 19% stake. Um, and then eventually um, in 2019, there was uh, rumours of a foreign takeover. Um, the guys, Chen, uh, Chen Lee and Paul Conway, who owned Barnsley, um, so there was rumours that they were uh, wanting to take over. I think it was quite, and I think it was concrete. Um, but Colin Weir stepped in uh, and kind of gazumped them and beat them to the post. Um, as soon as he bought the club, uh, as soon as he bought the majority stake in the club, he said he he always wanted to pass it on to the fans and ha- and and have the club fan owned, um, which was in- which was an incredible gesture, you know. Um, but yeah, like you said, unfortunately, about a month after that, he he passed away. Um, quite suddenly. Um, so everything was kind of up in the air. But um, those who were left in charge of 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 the shares uh, on his behalf said, "No, look, we still want to go ahead with this." Um, then shortly after that, there was a pandemic, of course, um, which kind of held things up. But gradually, things just kind of stopped moving, and the Jags Foundation, which was set up to 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 receive this majority shareholding, um. The initial board just kind of stopped speaking. Uh, the club stopped speaking. Uh, the own, uh, Colin Weir's representative stopped speaking. Um, and what what ha- what also happened in that time was that uh, Jackie Lowe, who was kind of Colin Weir's confidant, uh, she made herself chairman of the club, as well as being a majority shareholder, mm-hmm. um, which can which kind of didn't fill the rest of us with confidence. Um, and then so basically eventually in, in April of this year, uh, the club and the owners came out and said, no, nah, we're not giving the shares to the Jags Foundation anymore, which was kind of puzzling because we'd been we'd, we'd been set up to as specifically to, re- to receive those shares. Um, so that could have been the end of the Jags Foundation. At that point, the Jags Foundation board resigned en masse because I think they felt they'd kind of failed and I think they felt they'd done everything they could. Um, and then so that could have been the end of the Jags Foundation, but a group of us got together and decided that, you know, we want to try and take us forward. You know, at that time, we already had about 450 members paying £10 a month. And we thought we could get the membership a lot higher than that. And we thought we could maybe restart negotiations. So that's what we did. Um, myself and, and eight others were elected uh, in June of this year. And we managed to get negotiations restarted with three black cats who are who are Colin Weir's company that he set up to manage the shares. Um, and the first meeting went okay. Um, we met with Jackie Lowe and her lawyer, Peter Shand, um, and that went okay. But then shortly after that, um, we we asked a question about doing due diligence on the club, mm. which which is you know the most the sensible you know any sensible. Uh, people would, would, would do that. It's just normal for any sort of transaction of this nature. Um, we were told that that wasn't going to be happening and that because we were getting the shares for free, that we had no right to due diligence and we either took the, we either signed over and took the club before we'd seen it or we didn't take it at all. Now, it's, it, it would be absolute madness to sign over um, the majority shareholding of, of a company without knowing what kind of shape it's in, whether we're getting it for free or not. Um, we've got a couple of professionals uh, on our board in terms of accountants, and they they'd be breaking their own ethics code if they did that, you know. So it was just an, a complete non-starter. But, Ian, sorry, yeah. Ian, can I just can I just stop you there? Sure. Just there's just a couple of things I want to go back and and clarify for our our listeners. Um, first of all, I love the fact that's how I know you're a real football fan. You say as soon as Colin Weir won the money, 
the rumours started that he was a Thistle fan. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's exactly what would happen in the Porson's arms. If, if that, that, everyone would go, he's a Palace fan. I know he's a Palace fan. <laughs> uh, um, firstly, I, just run us through who Three Black Cats are, who the people are. Um, secondly, I think it was a, <clears throat> a 55% stake in the club that Colin Weir wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also, I think more importantly, is, is the problem that Colin Weir wanted the club to be fan-owned but didn't specify which fans? Is, was that part of the problem as well? Um, no, not really. I mean, he he said that he wanted to be fan-owned. He didn't specify, you know, any sort of fans. I mean, we're not a, we're not a massive club. I mean, our, mm. home, our home support generally fluctuates between 2,000 and 3,500. So, you know, we're not a massive club. Um, he did actually cite the Motherwell model. Right, um, okay. So Motherwell have been fan-owned for a while and they've been very, very successful. So he did cite that. And so basically what, one of the first things we did was we basically took the Motherwell model to the letter as a proposal. And uh, that proposal was rejected out of hand. Um, with, regards, with regards to Three Black Cats, um, so Three Black Cats were the company that Colin we are set up to manage their shareholding uh, in the club. When And you're correct, they had a 55% stake. Um, and basically... Uh, after Colmere died, the only directors of Three Black Cats were Jackie Lowe and right. and a law firm called MBM Nominees Limited, who were represented by uh, Peter Shand in these in 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 these negotiations. Yeah, right. And I, I want to bring Kieran in, in here as well because have have they shown you the accounts yet? No, no, no. They didn't. They they, they told us we had absolutely no right to see any of them. And I mean, you know, which 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 rings alarm bells as to the state of the club, to be quite honest. Um because due diligence is a normal thing that you do in any in any sort of in anything like this. Not just that, but I mean due diligence is actually a benefit to the to, to the seller as well as the buyer. Um so I mean, you know, we, as I said, we've got a couple of accountants on our board. And the point that they made was that, you know, sometimes due diligence shows up things that the that the the, the owner Who's selling is not even aware of. Yeah. Um. So I mean, and the thing is, it would be there was always rumours going around about how they were, how they were running the club. So, I mean, see if you're confident that you're running the club well, it would be a complete and absolute vindication of your efforts to run the club if you allowed due diligence. But the fact that they they determined not to allow it, um, was you know a, a real a real worrying sign for us. You know, of course, K- Kieran, two things. First of all, you know I'm not a business person or an accountant, but it seems to me ludicrous that the people handing over ownership of a club wouldn't open the accounts to be seen. And secondly, what what do you know about the state of Partick Thistle's accounts, Kieran? Do you know anything at all about it, or is it impossible to tell because they're not public? Um, well, taking those things in turn, Ian is absolutely right to effectively have alarm bells in relation to uh, the transfer um you if you're buying a house you you have it checked by mm. a, a surveyor beforehand and yeah norm, no, normally the the yeah the bank or the building society would do it i've i've always said if you've got nothing to hide hide nothing so mm. the fact that the existing ownership are uh taking such an approach does does cause concerns because um you know if if the supporters take over the club they're not just acquiring the assets of the club, but they're acquiring the liabilities as well. Yeah. Now, 
would you take over somebody else's business if you didn't know how much they owed to the tax authorities, how much they owed to the banks, how much they owed to all of the other creditors? It, it, it will be completely insane. Um, and the yeah, the foundation are absolutely right to to say, well, this is not acceptable. This is ridiculously unprofessional um, as well. I'm 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 staggered. You know, I've, I've been involved in business transfers on on many occasions, uh, and I've never heard of such an approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I I absolutely agree with the position as as far as the the club's accounts are concerned. It was losing in 2020, around about 20 grand a week. Now, in 2021, it was a COVID-impacted year. It, it's difficult, really, to to make much sense of the numbers. It, it nominally broke even, but th- there were a lot of complications as far as Scottish football was concerned that year. So um, I, I'd always take things with a picture. You know, look, looking at these figures here, Partick, they 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 run a tight ship. You know the, the wage bill is between one and a half and two million. You've you've got individual players in Scottish football that will be not far away from that. Um, so um, the 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 club, I think, historically has been run um, on a break even basis because um, it didn't have any choice. Um, you know, b- before it had a, a benefactor, it it had to operate uh, within its means. So it, it's difficult to actually draw too many conclusions about the accounts because COVID really has messed about with anything. But mm-hmm. in respect of the first issue, I'm I'm genuinely staggered. Mm. And Ian, I mean, this, as Kira says, this has been going on for the best part of three years now, certainly yep. two and a half years. Uh, uh, were three black cats in constant communication with, with the fans or, or are they just stonewalling? ignoring you were they giving you any reasons why they weren't cooperating they weren't after all uh, presumably this was, this was part of colin weir's uh will mm. so there therefore i can't see any legal status where that where they're not acting on his on his wishes without at least explaining to you what's going on but it seems that there was no communication from them to you at all yeah i mean i i it really does i mean and it's good to hear other guys outsider's point of view and to to hear that you that it's not just us in our own head that feel this way you know mm. but I, what what happened was i mean in in um one of the things that that, that we said to them in in our meeting was that um as with other fan ownership groups you know you've got members paying in uh, every month um so we had members paying 10 pound and 5 pound a month and so one of the things we said in our negotiations was they said look this is this is potentially an extra five or six grand a month going to the club, hmm. um, and at that point, Jackie Lowe turned round and said, uh, "We don't need your money, and we don't want your money. You're, it's not your job to fundraise." And the very fact that we had offered to fundraise, she took as a personal slight against their efforts to fundraise. And so, at that point, you're thinking, "Why would I? Don't, I don't care if you're Real Madrid or." Albion Rovers, who's going to knock back free money? And so th- this is one of the things this, that, that, that we said. So f- first of all, they, they told us that they didn't want or need our money. And this is a, a very small club, by the way, who, yeah. as, who, as you say, every penny has to be a prisoner, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and, and the other thing she said was that um, every time we went with a proposal um, as to how fan ownership would work, 
And as I said, Colin Weir cited the Motherwell model when he first bought the, the majority stake. Um, we were t- Jackie Lowe would turn around and say, no, that, that's not what Colin wanted. And so we would say, wait, well, what did he want? Yeah. And she would say, no, it's not my job to tell you how to do it. And we would say, but just tell us what you wanted and we'll do it. And we'll tell you if you can do it or, or we can't do it. But she she kept just being so vague and uh, so difficult to pin down. And mm. the conclusion was was really unavoidable. The conclusion was that um, she wanted, she quite enjoyed having all this control and power and being the owner and the chairman of a football club. So, I mean, the conclusion was unavoidable that she didn't actually want this to happen, you know? And uh, what's the attitude of other fans, uh, Ian, that aren't part of uh, the foundation? Are they broadly behind you as well? Or are there some fans who don't want the fan ownership model, who'd rather have a, <coughs> a billionaire stranger come in and buy the club? Uh, yes, I mean, there always are. Um, but I think, you know, so, the, I mean, initially... And you you know what foot, uh, football fans are like, uh, especially yeah. especially fans of smaller clubs. Um, we're all because we're not very successful. We're always quite down on ourselves, you know. <laughs> and and there, there was people there was people who thought that we specifically Partick Thistle fans couldn't make a go of this. Yeah. And and I'll be honest, there was times when I was almost on that on that train of thought as well. Um, but when you see other clubs in Scotland, um, you know Hearts. Motherwell, St Mirren and now Morton are all fan-owned. Um, when you see them doing it, you know, some of those clubs are bigger than us, some of those clubs are smaller. Um, when you see them doing it, you know, it, it kind of brought, brought me around. Now, there's still people who um, who are uh, very much uh, supportive of of, uh, of Jackie Lowe, um, but I would suggest that that number is diminishing every single day, mm. um, given the way she's carrying on. Well, I, I believe I'm right in saying that Hearts are the biggest fan-owned club in 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 Britain in the UK. Yeah. So they're they're a good model. <clears throat> Your manager Ian McCall seems quite philosophical about the situation. He he called it typical thistle. Uh, <laughs> it, is, is that an attitude that's been welcomed? Well, I mean, it it probably is typical thistle. But the whole point of this for me was that it, I I wanted fundamentally I, I wanted how how we think about ourselves to change. Yeah. Um I, I I don't want I don't want us to just accept the fact that we go down to Somerset Park on a Tuesday night and get beat four two, which is what <laughs> happened last night. Um yeah. I, I don't want I don't want to accept the fact that uh that, that that we're perennially so unpredictable. Um I, I genuinely think there's uh, a a huge, huge latent fan base um at Partick Thistle and you know if if we got to this uh, a cup semi final tomorrow, we'd, we'd probably take fifteen thousand. Um, so you know the, the the challenge is to get even you know a, a couple of thousand of those to come every week, um, and that's where I see the challenge. You know, it, it's difficult, isn't it? I, I've I've tried to get through this whole interview in without using the words the other club in Glasgow, but <laughs> that is that is a problem for Party Fissel, isn't it? I mean, you, you you've got. A, 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 a huge opposition from two of the biggest clubs in in world football, let alone Scottish football. But also, it seems to me that's an opportunity as well because there are we, we've seen with clubs like Union Berlin and, and St. Pauli, there are fans who want to support the other club in a city. So that there there is a lot of fans to tap into. What's what's the latest state of play, Ian, as we speak on Wednesday morning? What's happening now? Uh, so what's happened now is um, that. Towards the uh, middle of August, um, we had one final meeting with three black cats. Uh, that was with Jackie Lowe and her 
her lawyer, Peter Shand. We were told that we would no longer be the recipients of the shares. So for the second time in the space of about four months, we were told, nope, you're not getting the shares. And then out of nowhere, another fans group basically sprung up, uh, you know, five guys who were completely unelected, um, had done no fan engagement, had no members, and they were told, yep, uh, the PTFC Trust are now going to be the majority shareholder of Partick Thistle. Wow. And they've they've been handed the shares completely out of nowhere. Um, so since so since August, I mean, the fans really did go up in arms about this. Uh, since August, these five the, these five guys um, uh, have apparently been majority shareholders of the club. Um, and yeah, completely out of the blue, we were kind of gazumped by another fans group who'd done no way, who'd done nothing in terms of uh, the preparatory work that we had, you know. So it's, it, there's a lot of twists and turns to this, lads, as I'm it's, sure you can get. It's, it's Machiavellian. Yeah. I mean, so is mm. the, and I guess you need to be careful what you say here, but is the, is the implication that those five fans are connected to the club in some way? Uh, well, yes. Um, Yes, there's there's been um, there's been various uh, players in this. Um, there's, there was a football agent who apparently brought them all together um, behind closed doors. Um, his story has been has changed a few times. He's got four he's got four players at the club, by the way, and uh, he is he is a, he is also a fan. Um, but he's got four players at the club, and uh, he apparently brought these guys together. Um, there's very you know there's 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 strong evidence to suggest that there was uh, members of the board and the chief executive involved in bringing these people together, mm-hmm. um, allegedly, I, I will say. Um, but yeah, and it, every time they try and come out and clarify what's happened, you just end up with more questions than answers. To be quite honest, um, and I think when someone's been when something's been done so dishonestly like that and behind behind the fans' backs, um, you know. The, the story seems to change all the time. Um, we've we've managed to finally, uh, we've managed to finally set up a meeting with the, the Jags Foundation and PTFC Trust. Um, so that's going to be uh, in the first week of November. So hopefully we'll get some some more answers. Um, they they they're quite keen to not focus on the past and look to the way forward. But the 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 fact is that we've got nearly nine hundred members now. Yeah. Um and they don't even know they they don't have any members. And but they're the ones who are apparently the fan owners. Uh, and we are not. You know, the whole thing's just incre- in- in- increasingly bizarre. Yeah, and I have to say, um, as somebody who's written on Have I Got News for You for a long time, I I admire the way you use the word allegedly. because uh, <laughs> that's the word we throw in all the time. Allegedly, we 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 yeah. think. Um it just proves I'm gonna let you go it it, oh, it it proves something that Kieran and I say time and time and time again. You, you, you say you only get average crowds of 2,000, 3,000 people, but to you, Partick Thistle is just as important as Celtic, Rangers, Man United, Liverpool are to their to their fans. And it's just your frustration. It's just wrong, basically. From All the research I managed to do, which was quite difficult, as I say, down here, <clears throat> so you had to act, like, you know, access. But even in, in the Scottish press, it's not covered as much as I thought it would be. But... This situation is wrong, and I look forward to catching up with you again in the future. On a lighter note, Ian, I have to say, and I'm, I'm sure everybody says this to you, uh, Kieran loves horror films. I, I I can't stand them. So your mascot, Kingsley, yeah. 
just the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. And he's on your kit now as well. This is You've got children in the audience at the ground. He can't be allowed to wander around terrifying kids, like can he? Uh, I mean, I think we said something else earlier on, didn't we? Typical thistle. Yeah. You know, that's it, that's it. You know, <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the artist, uh, Peter Shrigley, um, he is, he is actually a fan. And I think, I think that's how it came about. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, bizarrely enough, the kids, the kids love him. And it just, it, <laughs> no, they do. Like the kid, the kids absolutely love him. And I think everyone thought at the time there was a few parents with kids who were saying, um, oh, it'll terrify the kids. You know, I don't, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about letting that anywhere near my kids, but the kids absolutely adore him. It, it's crazy. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's, t- it's took the club around the world, you know? I know. And, and, and the thing, the, the thing is, I don't think we made enough of that commercially. Right. Um, I think that there was, there was a point at which, um, it was going around the world, and I think if you really had a, a good commercial team there, you could have really, you could have really capitalised on that, yeah. you know. Um, but I mean, I think it continues to be to be a, a, a star. So hopefully, in the future, we can still do it, you know. Ian, it's been. Um, I was going to say it's been a pleasure to talk to you, but like a lot of the people we interview, I, I wish we didn't have to do it. If you mm. see what I mean, but it's been fascinating to talk to you, and your passion for your club uh, is evident. Um, so we wish you. Uh, well in the future I'll say this uh, what I do at the end of every interview if anybody at the club wants to come on and put a a different view they're more than welcome I suspect they won't because they haven't done Hmm. it to you so I don't see why they will to us Hmm. but this is a a subject hopefully we will come back to with a different outcome later on in and we'll keep an eye on it and uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to publicise your cause Um, and Kieran is only too happy to look into the accounts of any club. So I'm sure Kieran will be uh, on hand at any time. So but I wish you the best of luck in future. Yeah, thank you so much, lads. I really appreciate you guys covering this. It's really great. So thank you so much. I, I mean, Kieran, this is a... It's a remarkable story. It's complicated, but... It, it's 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 just ridiculous, and it's just the the legacy of Colin Weir. I mean, that was such a good story, mm. but it seems to be being tarnished. It's quite it's quite clear. It seems to me that his wishes have not been carried out in the way they they should have done. And it's yeah, it's it's quite clear that the 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 club and the relationship with the fans who should it, it seems to me should own the club. And I know that it's, it's easy to say because we've only heard one part of the story, but it's that seems to me the credible part is what we've heard. To be honest. And the the fact that they won't, they refuse constantly to to show these potential new owners the accounts is astonishing. Yeah, you, you as I said on the interview, you you wouldn't buy a house and, and not have it checked by a surveyor. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, it, it might have dry rot. It might have a yeah you know, a river running underneath it. Um, when when you buy a company, when you buy the shares, you acquire effectively the assets and the liabilities. Well, you know if if you if you owe money to people, then then you inherit that as well. And 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 the the Jags Foundation is 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 absolutely right to say this is this is a ridiculous situation. Um, and the way that control has now been transferred to what appears to be a a splinter group or a convenient organisation for mm. the existing people in control we, we don't know one can only speculate um um is is, is beyond belief um yeah, the, the more I, I listened to ian the, the the crosser i became 
yeah, one one can only speculate, unless, of course, uh, Partick Thistle would like to talk to us because um, mm. Ian was passionate and articulate and, and uh, measured in a way that I wouldn't be if it, if it was me in that situation. But we have only heard one side of the story. So if Partick Fischl want to come on and tell us their side of the story, we'll only be too happy to accommodate them. I suspect uh, our phone won't be ringing. Um, okay. we'll, uh, but anyway, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution as well, then thank you very much. Go to patreon.com slash price of football. Our next live show, remember, will take place at Plymouth Argyle's Home Park on Tuesday the 13th of December. You may still be able to get a ticket. Uh, if you do, it'll be from Plymouth Argyle's website. Um, if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for all the support for the show, um, for interacting with us on social media and sending us emails and asking us questions. Um, Patreon's one way of giving a little bit of extra support but if you want to do it in a non-financial way um, what you can do is you can go on to your podcast app and leave us a review um, apparently it's the stars that matter um, I'm not that myself and Kevin consider ourselves to be stars of course but if you can give us five stars that, that helps us helps us in the charts helps us with algorithms and, and such such like um, and uh, it allows us to, to have a bit of credibility um, a, when getting nominated for the FSA Awards, and B, uh, in terms of when we're trying to book guests and so on. Um, it, the narrative, you can say whatever you want. So you could even say you would rather have the show presented by Kenny Miller and the Zodiac Killer, and it wouldn't <laughs> make a blind bit of difference to us. <laughs> it, uh, are you going to stop this after Halloween? Because it's I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm running I, out of serial killers. Well, serial that rhyme anyway. It's yes, I, it gives me a little free so I really don't like scary things, Kieran, or, or serial killers. Um, <laughs> obviously, That's, there's a note to end on: a controversial dislike of serial killers. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. I'm for the